Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to United30's podcast called Let's Talk Activism. Um, I am Anita Juaba, and I will be the host of um, this episode. And uh, today we are talking about uh, in planet protection, uh, environmental sustainability. This is the last um, week of the campaign. It's the last topic of the campaign, of the Jane Unite campaign. So, yeah, and uh, we have brought you a very special guest. Um, I'm very, very excited uh, to have him on, on, on the show. Um, today we have Jake McCohen. Um, he is the founder of Coconut Balls. And um, let me just tell you guys, I am so excited to have him on board because I think his business model is one of the best I've ever seen. Um, yeah, so far. It is one of the best, and you'll get to know why I say that. So before I get too carried away and I tell his story, I'll allow him to introduce himself and introduce his business and tell you more about his business. So yeah, Jake, um, can you just tell us about yourself and um, and your business? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you very much for all the kind words, uh, Anita. You are far too kind. <laughs> Um, and I hope I can live up to that uh, intro. But um, so I'm Jake, I'm Australian, which you can probably tell from my voice. Um, and I'm the founder of Coconut Bowls. So what we basically do is source the waste husks of coconut, um, which is the, the shell. And we source the from coconut farmers who previously would have burnt these or um, basically discarded them as landfill. And what we do is we source these shells and then we engage local artisans to craft them into the beautiful bowls that we sell to our community, um, mostly online. And one of the fantastic things about our products is they're regenerative. So a coconut tree will produce close to 100 coconuts every single year. And um, the farmers will, will harvest them, extract the white meat or the water, and then um, basically discard the shells. So we're sourcing a waste material and then we're upcycling them into a purposeful product that people can use in their daily lives. And then at the end of their lifetime, which we like to think is you know over a thousand uses, you can return them to the earth, no harm done. And I think it's it's a model for the future that we use products sourced from nature um, that never ever harm the planet. So when you consider most of the bowls that are available on the market, they're made from uh, maybe partly natural materials, but definitely um, some chemicals. And you know, plastic is obviously the the worst case scenario because um, every bit of plastic that exists that has, was ever created still exists now. So we're basically trying to uh, shake up that model of consumption and um, look at nature for the answers, which I think, you know, in most cases, uh, they've provided it for us already. Yeah, um, that is that is wonderful. Maybe let's just take a, a step back and just go like um, into how you came about, um, you know, developing this business. Um, I just want I just want you to take us through the whole story. Um, because I read it and it's amazing. It's just so, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so how, how did it come about? Why coconut? How did it come about? Yeah, well, I would love to say that I was, um, you know, 
an activist in sustainability before coconut bowls, but I actually wasn't. I, I was certainly sensitive to it and tried to play my role, but um, I actually stumbled across a similar product after traveling the world for six months backpacking. And I was you know, about to return to Australia. I was in Bali in Indonesia and um, was basically visiting a, a local market where a craftsman was selling these coconut shell handicrafts uh, to, to tourists as souvenirs. And these were coconut shells that had been sanded, um, that had little decorations carved into it and paints. And I don't know if it was because I had just spent, you know, six months traveling and noticed, you know, across some beautiful beaches and, and, and noticing the plastic pollution issue. Um, but I just naturally saw this product and I was like, wow, these are coconuts, they're naturally in halved, shaped like a bowl. Why aren't we eating from them? So that sparked the, the idea and I, I struck up a conversation with this craftsman and um, had a hundred made, packed them into my suitcase and then brought them back to Australia. Um, not thinking like it was going to turn into the business that it has today, but thinking that my friends and family might like them. And um, very quickly after sharing them on social media, uh, you know, a business was born. That is, that is crazy. Um, it it <laughs> reminds, it, it's so coincidental in a way. It reminds me of like the discovery of, of gravity. Uh, <laughs> 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 sitting under a, an apple tree and an apple falls out of you know from the tree and hits you and then you're like oh apple wait why did it you know it, it's so coincidental yeah. in a way and um I just yeah I love it um yeah let's 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 perhaps go into like you spoke about um you not necessarily classifying yourself as an activist prior to 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 uh coconut falls and I think that is so interesting because when I think about it, um, you know, when we think about, you know, like climate change and, you know, why, you know, the earth is is decaying and all of that, you always, we always kind of attribute it back to businesses. So it, it, there's a weird tension between activism and and business. And, um, you know, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a complicated relationship. There's a, a love-hate situation going on going on there and now you have managed to make a business out of sustainability um is there what was there any other like motivating factors to that you know um because I feel like your business is centered around sustainability it was more about sustainability more than it was about generating income and usually businesses are like okay, this is our business model. And, you know, five years down the line, we might want to like uh, develop the community. So we just throw in a, a CSI um, initiative and that's that. Mm. And your business is basically, a, a, you know, development um, initiative, but just yeah. generates money. <laughs> yeah, um, I think, you know, the one thing was that, allowed us to build in a very sustainable way is I never had the intention for this business to turn into something as, as big as it has today. And I almost, you know, I started from scratch just working directly with somebody carving the coconut bowls. And um, the next step was learning about the waste issue. And then it was learning about how, um, you know, these artisans often find it hard to find 
paid work. So I think, you know, and also the fact as a, you know, strategic thing is coconut bowls aren't proprietary. Anybody can make them that has access to coconut shells. So I knew that if we were going to be successful, we had to do as much as possible the right way. And, you know, our product is essentially in the crafts industry. So we've bypassed that need for the industrial revolution where we need to have massive manufacturing plants and big machinery to make these products. And um, if you look at like packaging and everything like that, it just does not make sense to wrap a product from the earth with plastic. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think I've just learned with the business and, at every opportunity as a consumer as well, we have a choice to choose, uh, you know, a sustainable product or an unsustainable product. And I just wanted throughout the whole production line, the whole supply chain, the whole distribution, we have just tried to be as sustainable as possible. Um, and sometimes things cost more money, but at the end of the day, if we're going to be a, a sustainable business, we need to look to the long term and, I see us as somewhat as a leader to other businesses that, hey, invest in doing things the right way and you'll build a community of people who support that. And, um, you know, we're talking to young people right now in this podcast and young people more than any ever before, they don't want to buy from brands that don't support their values. So, um, you know, I'm certainly looking at the long term and I think that just doing things the right way is um business you know the, the path to business success in the future yeah yeah definitely um you, you mentioned the the um the production line of your business and i think this is super interesting because i feel like in every single step every single um you know step you take in making um the balls there's a a positive why there's a sustainable why there's a reason why yeah. you choose the people you choose for making um, the balls is the reason why you choose the people you choose for buying um, the coconut shells. Um, so do you mind just taking us through the production line? Because um, I feel like it's so interesting and it's so important for us to just emphasize it. Um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, rather than sourcing from the biggest coconut farms, we source from small family farms where um, unfortunately coconut farmers don't make a lot of money for their crop. So we work in a small rural community where um, essentially most of the farms are only accessible by boat or by bike. So, um, you know, I, I, I would love to say that this was my idea and I think partly it was, but I was lucky to have contacts into these communities. And we essentially um, work with the, I would say, what you would equivalent in the Western world to a mayor <laughs> who then um, works with all the, the farms to, to source their waste shells that can be turned into coconut bowls. And then we pay them um, a price for their shells and we don't negotiate. They essentially set the price. Um, and I've, I don't work with the same craftsman that I began with in Bali, but um, we, we moved to Vietnam and um, the, the artisan workshop that we're working with, um, I, I've been there myself and I just know how much their, their core purpose of existing is to provide local work to the local community. Um, and for me, I feel like that's fantastic because people are always getting replaced by technology and 
and, and factories and stuff like this. And our products are craft, arts and craft. So um, a lot of these people are, are, are talented and, you know, can can use their hands to, to earn an income rather than, you know, fighting for jobs where they have to apply against college graduates and stuff like that. So um, it's, it's a nice, simple business that does the right thing by the farmers and the right thing by the artisans. Yeah, I think it is just um, beautiful in how holistic it is in its sustainability because uh, in, in a way it doesn't just address environmental problems, it also goes into socioeconomic problems um, that we face as a society. So there's a reason why you're choosing the local um, coconut um, farms. There's a reason why you're choosing the local artisans to, to produce. And uh, you, you forgot the final step, how, um, how it gets to me as a, as, a, as, as a buyer and I'm buying online, um, I'm buying a bowl and um, how it gets to me. There's a, I, I read uh, somewhere that you, you guys use a, a specific mode of transport um, for a specific reason. Do you mind uh, going into that? Yeah, so um, basically like one thing that I was fortunate enough early on is we almost grew our audience through social media and through social media, you can't choose where your followers come from. So very quickly um, I realized that, you know, to be sustainable, we needed to have local distribution centers because sea freight, unfortunately, as much as it's uh, the lowest uh, emission kind of form of transport, it's, um, uh, it still has emissions, but we uh, have distribution points in Australia, North America and Europe and, and we ship by sea to these places. And then basically wherever somebody orders from us around the world, we, uh, we ship to them from the closest distribution point. So it's the lowest emissions possible. And while there isn't clean energy yet in logistics or, you know, there's mostly, uh, it's mostly unavailable or unaccessible. We um, ship all our products carbon neutral. So basically whatever emissions um, come out of our shipments, we then invest in projects to capture carbon from our atmosphere. Hmm. Just out of curiosity, um, how many local workshops um, do you guys currently have um, and possibly like the locations? Um, so we've, we've only got one local workshop okay. in, in, in Vietnam, um, but then we have uh, a distribution center in Australia, North America, the UK and Germany. And those four countries are our biggest, um, our biggest you know, customer bases at the moment. Yeah. And hopefully one day we'll be able to have something in South Africa where you are or um, you know, South America, the Middle East, Asia, um, you know, we've, we're only five years old, so we're still, we're still growing and we're growing our message and growing the movement. So it's still early days. I was kind of hoping you were going to mention South Africa as a, as a distribution site, because I feel like South Africa and Australia are, cousin, are like cousins in a way. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So um, just going into like the business side of things, uh, maybe just to inspire a, a, an upcoming entrepreneur who sort of listens to our podcast, what would you say were like um, the biggest challenges you faced as a, as a business at 
how did you manage to overcome those? Um, I think like as every brand is different. Um, I think at the beginning, the biggest thing is trying to grow at a sustainable rate where you can yourself live sustainably in, you know, earning an income because uh, there's so much costs associated with growing a brand. And unfortunately, shipping is probably the biggest uh, pain point for, for growing businesses because at times it, it often costs more than the, the products that people are purchasing. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, is starting very, very small. You know, a lot of, you know, when I first started, I was listening to entrepreneur podcasts and stuff like that and watching things on YouTube. And most entrepreneurs or people that have seen, have achieved success, they're selling the dream of becoming a millionaire. And I don't really resonate with that because I think most people who go into, who, or who aren't currently entrepreneurs, they want to have an impact and they probably want to earn more money than they can get in their current job and role. And I think starting small um, with small achievable goals step by step and um, not necessarily starting to become someone or achieve some something, just starting very, very small and letting your core customers at the beginning teach you what they want from your business. That's interesting. Um... I hope people who are listening um, take a, a word or two out of that because I think, especially about the selling of, um, you know, how to be successful and and all. I think uh, a lot a lot of the times we glamorize, um, you know, just entrepreneurship and even sometimes activism. I sometimes even describe it. I describe activism as some form of like it. It's a, it's a bit corporatey in a way that um, there's so much competition. And it's glitz yeah. and glam, but we never get to speak about the hard parts, you know. Um, mm -hmm. We never get to speak about, you know, the things we struggle um, in. And um, and I feel like that's so important because um, as a, an upcoming or as a young activist and uh, social entrepreneur, um, I feel bad when I fail because the narrative is all about success and, and all of that that I think I am the only one who fails. I'm the only one who struggles. Mm. Um, so it's, it's just so important for us to sort of get to know like the world of entrepreneurship, the world of activism, social entrepreneurship mm. as a whole, not just the glitz and glam and the success. Um, totally. And the, you know, our business has been successful, but I, I definitely feel the most rewarded by the work that we're doing. And I think most people who are probably listening to this podcast, they are motivated by doing something good for the world. And there's certainly going to be people that agree with what you're trying to achieve. So one thing that, that we did, which I didn't mention earlier, is we really focused on fostering that community of like-minded people who shared our core values. And it allowed us to not spend money on marketing. We, we, we essentially spent you know, invested time in caring for our community and to arm with arm them with the knowledge about certain problems uh, affecting our planet um, and, you know, try to, 
you know, inspire and motivate them to, to have an impact. And the, the great thing for us is, you know, um, our products can fit into most people's daily lives. Um, and simply by educating them about a certain problem and inspiring them to be part of the movement, be part of the solution, um, we've been able to, to, to build such a strong community around people who just want to support us rather than, um, you know, just like the products that we're selling. Yeah. And yeah, that is, that is great. Now, going back to the, uh, the company, um, Coconut Ball, you guys don't just sell balls. Um, you're not limited to that. And I, I saw you, you also sell some cutlery. I saw some candles and, and all of that. And um, as most of you would have sort of uh, figured by now, every single one of the items and products that they sell, 100% um, from nature, no plastic, um, and entirely sustainable. So I, I find it interesting how you you, you got the uh, the cutlery and, and all of that. Uh, you were like, okay, we're not just taking the coconut shells; we're taking the whole tree. <laughs> um, can you just uh, talk about yeah. talk us through that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're not taking the whole tree because we don't want to be associated with you know deforestation or anything yeah. like that. But um, essentially, coconut trees will. Uh, bear fruit for around about 80 years and like I mentioned earlier a lot of these farmers are, are, are low income um, workers so basically once the tree stops bearing fruit they'll cut them down and immediately plant a new one in its place and the great thing about planting coconut trees is it's just a sprouted coconut um, so if you haven't seen it look it up online sprouted coconut it's fascinating it's like a palm leaf coming out of an old mature coconut um, but basically what they do um, you know ensuring nothing goes to waste and they're certainly not burning these trees um, they cut down the, the materials and essentially use them for furniture making or building materials mostly and we source the smaller pieces um, and turn them into to cutlery so um, if you imagine the size of like a brick, um, that's about the size of the, um, the offcuts that we're, we're sourcing. And we can make about 40 utensils from that small brick, which is, which is amazing. And there's a video um, on our website or, or social media that shows how amazing it's, it's created. So um, I think with, with our brand and, and certainly to this point now is we've made a conscious effort to source natural materials that you know uh, offer a practical um, purpose into everyone's everyday lives and um, that's extended to, to bamboo straws which I'm sure most people are aware of now bamboo cups it's it's funny if you just start looking creatively at what exists out in nature you'll find that everything that we use in our daily lives can almost be created from natural materials so uh, we're just trying to think, think creatively and, um, and, you know, essentially starting with people's kitchen and home, looking to find sustainable upcycled materials for them to use. Mm -hmm. And also just to, to, add, to add on something, um, if you thought that the business couldn't get any, um, you know, perfect and for the community, you guys also donate to charity. Um, 
Can you take us through that as well, uh, the charities you donate to and why? I know you mentioned yeah. about, um, the deforestation thing, and I think, yeah, it's relevant for, for this question. Yeah, so um, we a couple of years ago, we joined 1% for the Planet, um, which is really um, the only verifiable um, partner in terms of making charitable contributions to environmental initiatives. A lot of people can, can say that they're donating, donating money, but 1% for the Planet is the only... Uh, I guess, organization that will audit you to ensure that you are making the contributions that you say you are. So um, transparency is really, really important to us. And I think um, with us being the sustainable brand that we are, we've made a conscious effort to focus on reforestation um, and ocean conservation as the two primary uh, areas of the environment that we're trying to invest in, uh, having an impact in. And I think that, you know, a lot of people and a lot of businesses see making charitable contributions as a cost. And I definitely don't see that. I see it as a responsibility to, to being in business. And also it's, it's part of your values. It's, it's a way to communicate what you care about to, the, the greater population and um, you know if you think about marketing terms is you know what other bowl plants trees and takes plastic out of the ocean it's 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 just part of existing in a, a modern world is to to play your role and to do what you can to um, have a positive impact and we know that our community love us for doing things like that and we're super proud of of being able to have a positive impact like that hmm. Yeah, um, I know you, you also founded a, another business uh, called Plant. Uh, with planted. A D. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> pronounce it. I'm like, is it planted? Is it plant with a D? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so can, can you take us through what uh, um, the company does and its role in, in um, environmental protection and um, sustainable consumption? Yeah, so... Um... I mentioned earlier that we're, we're really lucky to have grown a, a really large audience on social media. And um, while we want to educate people as much as possible through our Coconut Bowls brand, um, a lot of people uh, you know, want to focus on what the purpose of the product is, how that they can use it in daily lives. So we see we share a lot of recipes and, and stuff like that. And we also talk about environmentalism and um, the sustainable aspects of our product, but we felt we could have a bigger impact um, and planted or planted isn't really a business. It's more of a platform for education. So a way that we can um, share with our broader audience the, the challenges that we're, we're currently facing. And I think like, I, I, know, I know that we're gonna talk about the sustainable development goals, but um, you know, in each aspect of sustainability, what the problem is and to really inspire people of how they, as an individual, can have a positive impact. So yeah. that's essentially what Planted is. Yeah, that, that's great. Um, I know you're you are vegan um, as well. So, and, and most of the, if, if not all, of the, the recipes you, you share on, on Planted, on the plant, uh, Planted, um, 
is is mostly vegan. Is there a reason yes. why? Uh, is there a relationship between veganism and um, protecting um, the environment? The environment, yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of our recipes or all of our recipes are vegan, but it's more. I think what we're trying to inspire is people eating more plant-based meals, essentially, because. Um, I don't know if anyone's seen Seaspiracy, but the way and the rate that we're taking uh, fish out of the oceans is in 30 odd years or less than that, there's going to be no fish left. Um, and that's, you know, taking more, the, taking more and depleting, uh, depleting something is essentially the dictionary's definition of, sustain, of unsustainable. <laughs> so um, I think there's an ethical element of, you know, being conscious of where your food come from comes from, um, but the research and the new research that's coming out is following a predominantly plant-based diet is actually the the healthiest thing that you can do for yourself and the planet. Um, and you know, plant-based foods are delicious, and sometimes uh, people who haven't experienced a lot of plant-based meals. Um, struggle with the conception of or oh, how are we going to how am i going to eat how am i going to get my protein and we're just trying to inspire people to uh to introduce more plant foods into their diet and essentially replacing the the animal foods you know not entirely if they don't want to but at least getting to a point where if they are going to eat those animal foods they're sourcing them from as sustainable a source as possible hmm. Yeah, we have been speaking about sustainability and, and um, sustainable consumption and sustainable environment. Um, speaking into now the sustainable um, goal, development goals, um, do, you, do you perhaps like roughly know like how many exact SDGs you work uh, in advancing? Well, um, well, I think they're all, they're all equally important. Um, there's probably five or six that are directly relevant to what we're trying to achieve on a daily basis. And I think probably the most important um, is solving global hunger because I feel that what's often overlooked in sustainability, everyone thinks of it as environmental, but there's certainly that humanitarian element. And people can't care beyond themselves if they can't don't have access to core needs which is food and water so um, I think that is above and beyond you know the number one goal we need to achieve as as a society and you know as a global community um, but for for coconut bowls um, there's good health and well-being that's something that we uh, that shines through almost everything that we do in our marketing, um, responsible production and consumption. We spoke about that earlier. And I think just tying into it that as consumers, there's almost always a, a sustainable, sustainable choice that you can make, whether it's as simple as having your coffee at the coffee shop as opposed to getting a takeaway or um, getting pre-packaged um, lettuce off the supermarket shelves or getting it loose. Um, I think what we spoke about with our 1% for the planet um, initiatives, that certainly tackles life on land and life at sea. Um, and probably the, the, the biggest thing um, for us is 
building a community and that ties into um, partnerships, which I think is the final sustainability goal. And I think that we can't succeed in achieving all of these goals unless um, businesses, consumers and government all work together um, to, to achieve what we're striving for. Um, so like I said, we are trying to foster a community of like-minded people so that we as a collective can, you know, have a much, much bigger impact together than what we could individually. Yeah. Um, interesting that you, you spoke on that. Uh, I just had a, a question that I, I normally ask or almost always ask um, our guests is, do you think that uh, goal 2030, which is the ultimate sort of timeline for, you know, the SDGs, do you think it's sustainable? Do you think um, by 2030, which is in what, nine years, uh, would have, you know, we, we would have protected life on land, life on sea, uh, we'd protect, we protect, we would have zero hunger and no poverty and, you know, good health, well-being, all of the SDGs that you um, sort of speak to, do you think that it is feasible? Do you think that we would have achieved those by 2030? I think that the, the biggest thing standing in our way is government. And for us to succeed, whether it's 2030 or any time in the future, we need the power of the people to stand up and to demand that things change because there's always going to be a percentage of people who have always done things the same way and their primary motivation is themselves, not the planet. So we need to build an army of people who stand up for what we need to do as a planet to achieve sustainability in all facets so that governments listen and intervene. So I... Uh, I'm not bullish, but I think it is achievable. I think it is achievable. We just need people to uh, to educate themselves about all the issues that we're facing and to take the responsibility on themselves to play their role and to get somebody, somebody else on board because that's how things go viral. One person tells another, then that person tells another. And that together we are so powerful that things change. Yeah, that is definitely true. That is true. Um, now, just looking at the COVID situation, uh, now now that I'm also trying to sort of answer this question in my head, um, looking at COVID and the impact it has had on sort of the environment, it, it, it has been a positive one. And it, it's so weird because um, for most of the other um, issues, uh, socioeconomic issues, COVID has been such a, a major setback um, in, in advancement of, of such. But and the, weird, the weirdest thing is that the inverse is happening for, for the environment. COVID has kind of been beneficial to, to the environment in mm -hmm. a way. I mean, it, it's kind of weird because like COVID is, is not a, a good thing. Um, mm. You know, it, it's it's taken a lot of lives and it, it, it's a tragedy, a tragedy, but for some reason, you know, our environment is thriving. Mm -hmm. Do you think, um, 
I don't know. Do you do do you think that it's it's a learning lesson or a learning curve for for us as 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 a people? Yeah, I think that um, Mother Nature has a way of um, you know controlling our future. And as things weren't working, the you know two years ago before COVID existed, so uh, it had to intervene. And I think that there's certainly positive positive that have that have came out of it um i don't know if i I hope a lot of businesses have changed um i think one of the great things that occurred through covid is people had more time to themselves which gave them a chance to really stop and think and become conscious about you know the planet and everything that affects us Um, but i also you also witness what is possible. Um, you know, it's unfortunately, some of the people in the most dire situations are the ones that have struggled the most. And you know, the amount of dollars that um, you know governments in Australia and, and Europe and America have put back into the community to um, save the economy that it could have solved global hunger so it shows what's possible but um and until there's equality and, and and governments don't focus on just their own country they think about all people as one then we're fighting an uphill battle so um i think it's been good for for the environment um i think there's a lot of things we can learn from it uh but i don't know how how long it's going to last yeah yeah um, but hopefully it, it, it's been a, a learning curve for a lot of uh, businesses and a lot of governments, because I think at, at the crux of the problem is government regulation and government being able to create and implement policies and, and, and laws to control mm. emissions, to control, um, you know, just the, imp- the harmful impact we, we've been having on, on the mm. environment. Um, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, and I know I said we it will be 40 minutes max and we're kind of like reaching <laughs> the time. Yeah. So any, any last words to, um, you know, words of encouragement to our young change makers out there who are maybe just thinking of, you know, developing um, something um, along, you know, the environmental sustainability um, theme? Um, yeah, what, what words of encouragement, what words of advice do you have for, for us? Yeah, I think that um, I think we're so lucky to be young people in the world right now because we have at our disposal um, uh, a tool, <laughs> a phone or, or a computer where we can learn things without relying on things being told to us. So we are actually the first generation really that is aware of what's wrong. And I think that if you start with, if you're looking to get into business and you look to solve an existing problem, um, then that's your halfway there. Um, and like I said earlier, to, to start small, build a community of people around you who care about what you're working to achieve. Um, and 
don't look at doing things sustainably or doing things, having charitable initiatives as a cost. They are, they are part of doing business and you'll be rewarded in the long term um, for doing things the right way and people will care and people do care now. Definitely. Um, just very last question. Where can we find um, Coconut Balls? If we're interested in reading up more, interesting in buying the products, where can we find you guys? Yeah, so um, a simple search on, on social media where the handle Coconut Bowls, um, you'll find us. We, we've got quite a big audience and I'd love for you to join that um, or coconutbowls.com. So we, uh, we ship to most parts of the world. Um, so wherever you are, the, there's a chance that we're going to be able to get you our, our beautiful products um, and we're, we're sure that you'll love them. Thank you so much, um, Jake, for availing yourself and, um, you know, just joining us and encouraging us. I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of young people have um, taken something, one or two things. I, I've taken a lot <laughs> uh, from, from this conversation, um, from, you know, the business model that uh, Coconut Balls has. And, um, yeah, I just, yeah, I'm wishing you all the best for the future and um, future endeavors of Coconut Balls. And thank you so much uh, for coming here. And um, we would like to keep you in the United 2030 community. So we'll definitely be, um, you know, in reach should we get any, like, requests from our, you know, community to sort of get in touch with you, definitely be, um, you Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Yeah, a channel. So yeah, um, that is that. That is that for this episode. Um, thank you everyone for tuning in. Um, yeah, don't forget to like and uh, follow our social media accounts on um, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. That's at Unite2030. Um, yeah, so yeah, just join the community, leave a comment, uh, like, etc. Um, yeah, see you guys next time. Bye.